Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm that spare shotgun you keep hidden away in a secluded catacomb for close encounters. I'm I'm Alex. And I'm Britton, and I am back with an update from last week's episode. Listeners, you will remember last week I made a passing reference to a YouTuber who did uh, deep dive investigative YouTube videos on subjects such as why are the fries weird? Now, why are the fries weird is a joke example that I made just to give an example. And these two latched onto it like it was stunt casting in WandaVision. Like, (laughs) they got so fixated on it. I did a little... Did a little research, by which I mean I asked the coworker who mentioned the man is real. His name is Johnny Harris. He used to work for Vox. Now he works for the New York Times. So he does a lot of like, you know, journalism, journalism. But he also has videos such as Hunting for the Wild War Donkeys of Cyprus, um, <laughs> uh, The Longest Border Fence on Earth, Shampoo is a Lie. And uh, the real reason McDonald's ice cream machines are always broken. That was the... Okay. That is, I think, what he used to do, stuff like that. And now he does, like, you know, journalism, New York Times stuff. So he is real. His name's Johnny Harris. Johnny, come on the show anytime. Love to have <laughs> you. Come on and talk to us about the hot chick or whatever movie you like. And, and tell uh, us. Have a good time. What is up with those fries? And do tell us how, <laughs> why the fries are weird. We will provide you with no context. Uh, but it's do Mephisto. come with an answer. I'm I'm bringing it back. It's Mephisto. <laughs> Mephisto made the fries weird. Mephisto, a fictional character made the fries weird. <laughs> and yeah, we're good. I'm so glad. now we know. Now you know the rest of the backstory. This week we're talking about a movie. Um, we are. Yeah. I mean, why not? Right? Why not? Oh. I didn't watch anything this week. I'm so underprepared. Oh, no. The only thing I watched this week was Shrek 2 again. (laughs) (laughs) Alex spent his week going to every place he could to buy fries and assess their weirdness to report back. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what were your findings, Alex? Look, I, I, I will not disclose just how many pounds of curly fries I bought from Arby's, but I did not grab a single crinkle cut fry because it's it's sinful. <laughs> and they did, should be ashamed of themselves. Did you buy a bunch of orders of fries from Chick-fil-A and then lay all the the one normal fry they have with the waffle fries all in a row and like I don't know whatever you do with it? Yeah, one out of like a thousand. <laughs> yeah. 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 Nice. I tested I tested how many you have to buy for that for to come across that. Yeah. I thought I thought they did it with every I thought it's every order. Get Johnny Harris on the line. Well, I we guess. Got another I guess. Case. I guess we all have to go to Chick Fil A now. Well, well, let's find out. Uh, I don't want to go that far. <laughs> this week we watched John Wick Chapter Two. <laughs> I would go that far because the Chick Fil A is like uh, maybe like a ten minute walk for me. That's so, true. Hop down there. Could go to, I don't know, Starbucks. Other things that are too common to disclose my location by saying they're close to me. <laughs> You know, a Bojangles <laughs> traffic light. I don't have a Bojangles close to me. Yeah. All right. Well, then there's probably some places we can rule out in terms of your location. <laughs> there's technically well, a I lot don't... of places that are not. Yeah, I don't think oh, you're no. in Kabul. Um, 
Just go to go go to my big map here and cross out Sri Lanka. <laughs> because as we know, Sri Lanka has a million bojangles. I'm gonna look up and see if they got bojangles in I Sri Lanka. I think they have bojangles in Sri Lanka. That should there... be the first video in this uh, series that we create, though. Is uh, how many bojangles are in Sri Lanka? Oh, oh, oh! Wait, wait! Oh. Oh, it's something called the Bojangles Beach House. I guess that's just like a really cool house. Now they oh. have now Bojangles has franchised restaurants in the Grand Cayman Island, Jamaica, Honduras, Mexico, Ireland, and China. Oh, mm. I bet that Ireland Bojangles is a lot of fun. Oh, I want to go. <laughs> yeah, honestly, podcast Let's do in the it. Ireland Bojangles. Man, honestly, I would. You get Welcome. down there, get you, get get you some Bojangles, get you some. Look, they, they don't give you fries. They just like put a potato in there. Look, you guys fly. I'm already, I'm already heading that way in my crocodile sub. I'll see you guys there. <laughs> yeah, how Formed much uh, marine access was there to all these Arby's you had to test? John That's Wick Chapter true. Two from 2017. <laughs> Arby's is traditionally a landlocked restaurant. I don't know how. Directed by Chad Stahelski. It's a coastal Arby's. It has an 89% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> and an 85% audience score. Good, good. Knew you could. Um, speaking of international travel, uh, Alex has given the scores. Of course, time for our weekly synopsis from my roommate, the Zuck, Mike, Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't. Think of a his appropriate nickname, rhyme. His, his nickname is the Zuck, but you have to say it like a question. Zuck, uh, <laughs> all right, Mark, come on in here. Hey, uh, just gotta take off my oven mitts. I'm making paella. Pa- paella, Mark. It's, it's paella. No. All right. <laughs> Time to read the synopsis for this film. John Wick Chapter Two. Play trailer on YouTube. No, over Mark. Oh, thanks. Retired super assassin John Wick's chat plans to resume a quiet civilian life are cut short when Italian gangster Santino D'Antonio shows up on his doorstep with a gold marker, compelling him to repay past favors. Ordered by Winston, the kingpin of secret assassin society, the Continental, to respect the organization's ancient code, Wick reluctantly accepts the assignment to travel to Rome to take out D'Antonio's sister, the ruthless Capo, Capo? Capo, atop the Italian Camorra Crime Syndicate. Why, well, Mark, I'm impressed. I gotta say, you, you, you got through the whole thing. You did it. Good job. Thanks. <laughs> this movie sounds wicked, wicked wild. Oh, Mark, no. You don't, you, you were so close. I will now do the entire Wild West theme song. Oh, Mark, your paella is burning. My paella! And he's gone. <laughs> I'd like to thank uh, Pinterest for that uh, sort of social smoke bomb to, to get us out of that interaction and having to hear Mark Zuckerberg do the Wild, Wild West theme song. Uh, but now we know the That's story. That's for the but... uh, Christmas episode. That's for the Christmas episode. Keep talking. <laughs> and now my gift to you.
You know, I, I think it just speaks to just kind of the mood we're in, the time of year. We probably, all of us probably haven't had all that much sleep this week. What are you just, saying? All right. Two of us haven't had much sleep this Come week. Come on. I wake up frequently from nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> and also, uh, Mark, Mark, starts, Mark sings at night, scares the heck out of me. Point being, this isn't one of those cases where uh, the movie's really bad, so we're just going to talk about something else. No, no we actually, I, I think, I, I, I could speak for everyone. We all like the movie quite a oh, bit. Oh, yeah. Shocker. John Wick oh, Chapter yeah. 2, pretty good. Oh, yeah. Who would like to start with best things and worst things and other things? You know, you have that, you have that option. Wait, Really? Yeah, I didn't know we could just do other things <laughs> My in other this thing segment. About John Wick, <laughs> chapter two, is uh, I don't know, uh, maybe like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's probably my other thing. <laughs> um, no, I, uh, I yeah, how tethered to John Wick chapter two does the other thing have to be? I I can talk about like My Borderlands the pre sequel, the planet. When has Jupiter. that stopped you before? That's a good point. That's a good point. I think the podcast is mostly other things. At this uh, yeah, point, yeah. It's, also, it's other things and about 15 minutes of movie discussion. Yes. It's a it's about friends. It's a show about friends hanging out. Yeah. The one with John Wick Chapter 2. Tyler, would you like to start Best and Worst? Yeah, I feel like uh, you were ramping up. Yeah. My best thing about John Wick Chapter 2 is definitely, I, I think it's, I may have said the exact same thing about the first one, but it only continues here. Um, the world building I think is a ton of fun in this. Um, we get the expansion of, of showing the international reaches of this crazy assassin network that more and more seems to be just like a a mainstay of this universe in the same way that like superheroes are a mainstay of the, the MCU for like, if you lived day to day life in the MCU, you would see superheroes all the time. Here, it seems like you would see assassins all the time because they yeah. do a lot and there are a lot of them and they have random fights in the middle of nowhere that sometimes people are just like, all right, I'm going to sit here and watch this. <laughs> I, yeah, it sounds good. Um, haven't seen a good assassin fight in a while. Um, <laughs> the yeah, the, I think the way that this expands, I, I talked about last time how it was fun that we had like the different assassins who have different styles. We obviously get a ton more of that this time around. Um, there is sumo assassin. There is assassin yes. with a violin. Oh, um, she's so good. There is <laughs> assassins whose job is to get killed by pencils that John Wick has. Mm -hmm. um, they do a lot of fun expansion of that. And then they also introduce the idea of the high table. I don't know if that was mentioned or referenced in the first one at all. Uh, I don't think it was. I think that kind of comes into, into the four this time. Um, we get a little bit more uh, mysterious backstory for John Wick, uh, seemingly related to whatever he did to get out of being an assassin. We learned that Santonio D'Antonio? Yes. <laughs> you got it! Uh, is uh, one of the... Oh, or was Santino. it Santino? Santonio is one of the... <laughs> <laughs> or is related to one of the families that sits on the high table, and so he has... Look, it's San Antonio D'Antonio, San okay? Antonio D'Antonio. <laughs> um, it's the worst Indiana Jones ripoff. Um, <laughs> uh, he has a marker, which is introduced as something that is 
uh, on the level of the continental in terms of the rules of this universe. They, they very quickly established like markers are just as important um, as not killing anybody on continental grounds. And markers are like blood packs that you make basically to say that you owe somebody a favor. Um, so we have John Wick pulled back into this world um, when he thought he was kind of done and he could kind of escape again. Now Santino is like, no, I, you're back. I was not going to mess with you because you, you said you had gotten out. Um, but now that you're back, I am going to use you and, and force you to do this thing for me. Um, and so we get, we get drawn into this idea that there's a, a big power structure kind of hiding behind the scenes, um, which I believe only gets even more ramped up in the third one. Um, so I'm, I'm excited about that, but like we, we have that, we have the idea of the Bowery, uh, sorry, the Bowery King, um, Lawrence Fishburne, who is just wild and, and crazy and fun. And we'll talk about him who is, but, but seems to be someone who's kind of off the grid and like has a, an, an underground network within this underground system anyway. Um, there, there's just a ton of fun stuff. We see like the other continental in Rome as part of the continental system. Um, it, it just makes this world continue to grow and feel like, it, it doesn't, I think, a really excellent job of expanding the world without filling in holes that we were questioning in the first one. Like, there's not a lot of... Uh, again, there's there's no flashbacks to whatever John Wick did to escape um, the the old life. Because we, we got the backstory in there that John Wick buried so many bodies it founded the Russian criminal empire uh, in the last movie. We don't need to see that because we already see John Wick killing lots yeah. of dudes and we know that he's good at it um we know he did something wild and crazy and that's how he escaped uh this doesn't sit there and say oh we need to to like grab every word that was referenced in there and really like dig into that it introduces some more elements that feel very natural and feel like they're spinning off of and um just uncovering more of what already was there it doesn't feel like we're grafting anything on nor does it feel yeah. like we're making the world small by focusing too hard on, on what happened. Like when he goes to Rome, every character we meet there is a brand new character. Um, and it makes it feel very cool when he goes there and it's like, Oh, all these people know John. Like they still like mm -hmm. his, his myth still precedes him. Like everyone is aware of who he was, um, knows what a great assassin he is and respects him quite a bit. And so that's a really cool way of, making it so that like we as the viewer are kind of along for the ride with John and John is introducing us to these characters without uh, making it so that it's completely like, this is all new stuff that doesn't feel at all related to the previous movie, nor does it make it feel um, too related to the previous movie. So I think that it does a great, great job of world building off of the first one. Um, I would say my my worst thing is that I think the movie goes on a little long. And I would say that uh, in particular, I think some of the fight scenes where he is killing grunts uh, get to a point where they're kind of like, okay, I get it. <laughs> like, there, there is an extent to which at times, despite the fact that all of the action in this movie is incredible, it, it, it might be a step up from the first one in several ways. Uh, I think there's a little more thought given to the set pieces and the way he works through the fights in this, uh, especially because he as a character is planning better for the fights, but some of them do go on quite a while. Um, 
And especially when it's just like he's going up against an army of unnamed assassins or security guards or something, as opposed to like the there's a sequence where he's escaping Rome where he's fighting off a lot of different assassins. And that's a cool uh, escalation, I guess. Uh, but there also are a couple of long fight scenes like the ones in the um, or the one in the museum at the end. Sure. Uh, that is kind of like, I don't really believe John's in danger from these guys. I, I think he's he's su- sufficiently established himself that what we talked about in the beginning um, about him being able to kind of be beaten up and hurt by other assassins uh, and how that increases the tension because it's like, oh, is he going to make it through this? This one, I think, plays its hand a little bit too much in terms of who who can really present a danger to him and who's kind of a uh someone who's just standing in his way before he gets to the end of this fight se- fight sequence and confronts somebody who's more important so that uh so there were times where i was kind of like okay this is fine but what what about that high table tell me more about that what's going on with Lawrence fishburne like i'd like to know a little bit more um so i would say that's it it's still excellent action but I think sometimes the action scenes drag on a bit. Yeah, I hear you. I I don't have a strong worst thing, but I was going to say it so much better than most movies. This movie does feel a little long. Um, I Yeah, I, I, I just I agree with that. I'll go with that as well. None it's, of it. Yeah, it's minor. Like none of it really bothered me, but I did notice like, OK, sure. It's um, like a flat two hours, I think. So it's it yeah, was no. never going to be awful right. in that regard but um for sure uh i'm gonna go for my best thing there's a lot of things i could pick i'm just gonna go with the cinematography i think it's just a beautiful looking movie mm-hmm. it's so inventive there are so many shots in rome because it all <laughs> he goes to carry out this this assassination during like this concert where i did expect the opera singer from fifth element to show up because it just the <laughs> style of the way the music and everything, it was awesome and crazy and there's all these beautiful like different colors that they utilize and during the museum fight at the end there's some gorgeous framing there there's like a whole installation that's like a hall of mirrors that's used really effectively um the whole movie i mean obviously i have all the long takes which i love but i just found it a really pretty movie to look at and for as much shadow and darkness as used there's a lot of color and in a really rich uh vibrant way so i just i i just found it stunning to look at and i do think it's a step up visually from the first one like i think stahelski like upped his game uh coming this one he just did solo and it's 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 still great it's still really really well directed so yeah alex uh my best thing's going to be the action scenes uh yeah i haven't i haven't quite gotten to the point where i feel like they're dragging on a bit i remember feeling that way about the third yeah. one to some degree so it'll be interesting seeing if if i have that problem but here i the whole time I was just going, I, I think this is significantly better than the first film in basically every way. Um, yeah, basically what you were saying in terms of like the set pieces, they seem to have put much more of a, a tight focus on that. Yeah. Um, and kind of building the action around these unique locations. I have no idea how they shot that Hall of Mirrors sequence. Yeah. Like the camera would be showing all the time. <laughs> I don't know how, how'd you do that? <laughs> yeah. It's really neat. Um, 
And even like the opening sequence, it's like, okay, you know, we're not going to have the car for the whole movie, but we'll have a really good couple of car chases. <laughs> uh, and that's nice. That's also a lingering plot thread that I, I completely forgot about. That yeah. he kind of just leaves his car with John Leguizamo to get fixed and then he doesn't come back for it, which I, I, I kind of appreciate that in terms of, oh, we're not going to try and shoehorn that in or force the climax to be around. Oh, now he's going to get the car back. We don't need to. Don't have to. No. I like that the the movie feels like it has freedom to do whatever it wants in terms of the story. It's like we can kind of just we don't have to, you know, do very specific things. Um, but I really like I, I was just kind of blown away by everything. Like the the whole scene in the catacombs where he's just getting chased and it's constantly upping the stakes. Um, and, and I like how it's changing it up in terms of him grabbing different firearms. Um, I, I think that just kind of continues to kind of change things up and, and keep it fresh. Um, and it's a movie that remembers he needs to reload and like yes. keeps track of that, which is great. Yes. Yeah. I, I like that. And I, I appreciate how, how like it'll actually stop. Like it, it, the action scene will pause while he does that. It's not yeah. like it's, it's a very concerted effort to show him doing the, the whole, you know, movement right. as opposed to just. And he reloaded off screen and now he's going into camera, you yeah. know, something yeah. like that. Um, but yeah, I, I was just very, very impressed by the action scenes. And one of the things that I thought was interesting is that the actual climax of the movie isn't an action scene, mm -hmm. which is really cool. Dark Knight. I, I yeah, I, I was thinking mm -hmm. that I was thinking X-Men Days of Future Past, where it's just like it's three men standing in a room and one person fires a gun. That's it. Um, I, I kind of appreciate that as opposed to the last movie, which, you know, it, like I said, I, I still like the last movie. I think I was kind of the most down on it of the three of us, but that was one of my problems was just, I found the kind of final confrontation in that action scene a little lacking. Um, and we can talk about Ruby Rose's character. I, I think she, she kind of has a similar problem that the bad guy in the last film had in terms of, we don't really get a buildup for how competent she is at fighting. Mm -hmm. Um, she kind of is just standing there the whole time, you know, looking cool, I guess. Um, but yeah, I, I just really, really liked how they, they fully leaned into kind of the zaniness, the craziness. And it's just like, nope, we're going, we're going big here. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry about that. <laughs> um, my worst thing is going to be probably Tyler. Also what, what you had mentioned, I, I need a little more exposition, which I feel is kind of weird. But I want to know how the high table works, and I want to know how Lawrence Fishburne's network works. Because I, I was noticing, I was trying to pay attention to small details, and particularly with the Bowery, um, they're, they have pigeon carriers, which I guess is just like, we, we don't want to kind of send things electronically yeah. that can be tracked. It's easier to send birds. Uh, kind which of are electronic, school. but go on. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, you didn't see one of them. Uh, it, it it winked at the camera, and there was a red eye flash. <laughs> um, but they're they put like cell phone SIM cards in inside. Like the, the pigeons have like little backpacks or whatever, and they put SIM cards in there. So I don't know if the idea is like you kind of write some notes on your iPhone, you pull out the SIM card that has the notes saved, and then you put it, give it to the bird. I was very confused about that, and they don't really explain it which I guess is fine. It's more of the kind of leave it up to your imagination. It's not a big deal. It's not It's not what this story is trying to uh, focus on, so that's fine. But I was just like, I, 
What does this network of homeless people <laughs> actually do? Help? Yeah. Is it specifically just to help assassins that are on the run? Maybe. I, it could be. The movie doesn't tell me. <laughs> I mean, they say that he has a section of New York, it seems like. Yeah. As his, like, under his domain. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, I think that's also kind of where I was getting confused. It's kind of that it the whole the high table, if it's supposed to be a a league of assassins, uh, pun intended, um, but it's also like tied into all these major crime groups. I I'm a little confused about the inner mechanics of it. And like I said, this isn't necessarily the biggest deal. It's just it, it's an action movie. Like we're supposed to be focused on on kind of John's journey and all the craziness that happens. It's not really about kind of the the fine details. But I actually think that speaks to just how well the world building is handled. Where I want to know more. Yeah. I actively want to learn more about this universe. It's like a really good video game where it's like, oh, I picked up an audio log, and I want to listen to it. I want to yeah. hear that, or I want to, you know, I picked up um. You know, I picked up a letter. I want to read it. I want to know what this this person has to say, even though they might be long dead. I don't know. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, a little bit more world building. Keep it coming. Do they do you remember if they expand that out anymore in the third one? Pretty sure they do. They do more. I, I think it's still I, 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 I want it to go farther, yeah. Yeah. which is I think that is also smart. That they feel confident enough in what's there, sure. Yeah, uh, to be like, yeah, we like this. We think this movie's really good. We're gonna give you little breadcrumbs to continue stringing you along um, and make you interested in where this is heading and, and what he's doing. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Common is in this movie, and it's great. <laughs> I'm he's glad so he good. finally got a good movie for us to review on the podcast. <laughs> This this will yeah. complete the common trilogy, which is Terminator Salvation, Suicide Squad, and this movie. Oh yeah! <laughs> oh, I'd forgotten about those. He was on a show called Hell on Wheels, and I watched the first season, and he's really good on that. Um, but yeah, I thought he was great. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I liked that that he has two knife fights with Keanu. I love the the move in these movies of someone will like pin somebody to the ground with a knife, and the other person is holding the knife away from their chest and so they'll just start like hammering on their hand to push the knife into their chest it's a good move yeah common's great and i liked him tyler Um, i i did want to ask because something that's always stuck with me ever since you know towards the beginning of the podcast when you talked about aliens you talked about how you like all these kind of um competing parties kind of fighting each other and undercutting each other and it's like you don't really know who to trust i feel like that's just this movie in a nutshell in terms of like John Wick's finding fighting kind of this this nameless army of assassins that are after him, and then Common will just show up and start shooting <laughs> at him with a silenced pistol. I don't know. For me, I think when I think of that movie, I think of like the culmination and how the the third act of Aliens is just like, oh god, everything's terrible because all the all these like dominoes kind of fall um, sure. as related to all these different parties. So I think this is the climax isn't quite as. I mean, it's still interesting, and obviously, like from a story perspective, I think it's it's good and it's the right decision for this movie moving forward and setting up the the future movies. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think there's an element of that 
uh, throughout. And I, I really like, I think it's really cool to have that, see how the the ending of the movie recontextualizes that because you have this fight where he's, there are a million different assassins who are just popping out of the woodwork at him the moment they see, okay, this guy's got a huge contract on him. Clearly this world is just full of assassins. Um, and they are trying to take him down. He uh, barely escapes. And we have a, a handful of scenes like that, but that's the biggest one is like, oh, in, in order for him to just get from Rome to New York is this Herculean effort that ends up requiring the assistance of the, the Bowery King and um, takes everything he's he, he has just to survive through that. And then, and we establish like, these people are all associated with the high table. So like, it's very important to uh, understand the power of the high table. And at the end, he kills uh, Santonio uh, and does so in the continental. And then is like, well, I can no longer use the continental. And it's like, you realize how impactful that was and like how yeah big of a decision it was for him to shoot Santini in the in the hotel um and it's yeah i i think that that is really cool because then you you think about again obviously the ending of the movie is him running through a giant crowd of people just wandering in the park who are all like looking at him and it's like are they looking at him because he's this beaten up looking dude with his dog jogging in a suit through the park or are they looking at him because they want to kill him because they're assassins um that's a great ending and i think that so i don't know if it necessarily has the different parties coming together in conflict element for me but i do think it really effectively uses that to show like he has no friends at the end of the movie (laughs) um he has put himself in a position yeah i do appreciate how they kind of turn the um the ending uh, of the last film on its head in terms of uh, Perkins uh, being excommunicado and then they they take her out at Central Park and, you know, mm-hmm. John shows up there and it's a buildup of like, oh, are they going to they going to take him out? I, I like that. How yep. they, they they use the same location. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like that. He, he's walking up and there's all you see all these different people enjoying the day at the park. There's like a mime on a unicycle. And then he's talking to Ian McShane and then Ian McShane like waves his hand and everybody in the, the courtyard like freezes because they're all assassins. Probably also the mime, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. silent killer. But <laughs> um, then Ian McShane told them this is a revolution of the mind. <laughs> and it's, it's a really great sequence. Um, yeah, that I, th- I thought was really cool. I, uh, I like Ian McShane a lot. Watch Vanilla Sky. You might get that reference. Anyways. Is he in Vanilla Sky? No, no. The uh, Oh, okay. This is a revolution of the mind. Oh, I don't remember that part. It's Tyler's favorite line from that movie. Sure. I just remember Aside from Galecki's tech haircut. support. Well. Anyways. <laughs> How did we feel about um, both Santino and uh, Ruby Rose's character? Who I do not remember. Aries. The name. Okay. Um, I I liked Santino. What I liked about Santino is I liked the Italian 
crime family were played by Italian actors who aren't famous here. Like sure. the patriarch Franco Nero, I know his name, but I don't know who he is. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know what I would know him from, and I don't know the woman who played Santino's sister. Um, so I thought that was cool that they didn't like get Italian American actors to do an accent or something. They just like got Italian actors yeah. who were who were all really good. Um, and I, yeah, Ruby Rose is definitely more of a of a presence in this movie than a performance. I think when when she gets fight scenes, I think she handles the choreography well, and I think those those scenes are good. But it does it feels like a more successful version of the Boba Fett thing. That's exactly where, like, what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> where it's like, oh, okay, so she looks really cool, and then she does she never really lives up to how cool she looks. But in this, she does get a lot closer because <laughs> she does get some neat fight scenes and like is able to back up her being the like number one heavy of the the bad guy. Yeah. And I guess she's mute because she keeps signing to everybody. Um, I thought also that was cool. kind of a neat little. Thing. No, it is. And John signs back to her, which I thought yeah. was sweet. That was a little silly when when she uh, he's at the Continental and um, she's sitting there after he's talked with Common and she signs like, um, you know, I'll see you first or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then he signs sure, and then he <laughs> says sure. Right. Maybe he wasn't sure about whether he had gotten it right or not. He was like, I'll do both. I think so in the Continental. uh, He that's when she's like, uh, I'll be seeing you. And he's like, not if I see you first. And then at the end, I thought it was good because at the end, uh, she signs at him be seeing you. And he's like, sure. (laughs) 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 Uh. Keanu is obviously great. And in this movie, it really came across like, maybe this is me projecting because of what I have heard about him as a person, but like, he just seems like such a sensitive Mm -hmm. character. Like he's not just walking around looking bored and uber serious the whole time. He looks sad. He looks tired. He looks affected by the things that have happened to him and are happening to him. Um, Which I think is, is really great to see in a movie like this. I also, on that note, I really liked that the only woman in this movie who is sexualized and depicted, she we don't see anything, so to speak, but the, has the nude scene, has the like slinky, seductive, getting into the bathtub scene, is a woman who's age appropriate for Keanu mm-hmm. Reeves. Like she's she's not old by any means, well, but you know she's not like a twenty four year old yeah. model yeah. or anything, and it's. I think it's really interesting how everyone in these movies is like 40 and up. <laughs> like, I think yeah, that's an yeah. interesting angle of it that like, these are all grizzled veterans. I guess not yeah. Adrian Palicki maybe, but yeah. And like Ruby Rose might be the youngest yeah. in this crew, but still, but I mean, for the most like, part, mean. people who are like clearly experienced and like, they are mostly like, they have a ton of baggage and yeah, are successful because they've survived this long. <laughs> like that's, that's how yeah. you know that they're successful. I was gonna say, yeah, that that them all being old is like they were they were the ones that were good enough to live this long, yeah, yeah, survive. <laughs> yeah, so I just thought I thought the the actress I, I don't have her name on hand, but I thought she did quite a nice job in her 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 one scene. Um, but I just thought that was I noticed that as it was happening, I was like, oh, this is first of all, it's this is sexualizing, but not in a way that feels like gross or objectifying or anything. But also like, oh, that's so cool. Like they're and and the movie's not like like weird about it this is like no this woman's gorgeous like 
what <laughs> we don't the only we don't have to like she doesn't have to be like a young bombshell to be to have a scene like this i thought it was just really cool yeah um but yeah, I, I, yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. I thought Ruby Rose was 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 good. I like Ruby Rose. It's just fine. I mean, she she was Batwoman. Come on. The only thing I've really seen her in are this and Triple X Return of Xander Cage, which is great. Is she great in it? I don't really remember. I do remember a man is killed with a napkin dispenser. Not quite a pencil, but you know we're getting there. We're getting there. Good. That'll, that'll, I did, be, that'll be triple X four. I did like, was it the last movie or this movie where they have someone rant about, he killed the entire men of people. That was full of men. Yeah. It's with both. a pencil. But then they like follow it up in this one. It's yeah. pretty good. Peter Stormare's ranting about that at the beginning God. of this one too. Oh, Peter yeah. Stormare is so much fun in the opening <laughs> of this movie. It's so funny. He's just like yelling in this accent. Like, yeah, uh, he's all greasy and nasty. Oh, Peter Stormare. But I was going to uh, say real quick about Keanu Reeves. I, I think also, obviously, the movie or the movies are written around him to some extent, I think. Yeah. I think they, I believe they had him in mind, if I'm not mistaken, or like had already. I'm not sure. I have no idea. Uh, but it feels like they are. It feels like a because isn't that he makes sense producer? considering that, you know, Chad Stahusky was his uh, stunt double during the Matrix, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean. They've worked with him before, so that makes yeah. sense that they would have him in mind. I could be wrong about that. I th- I thought that it feels so much like a movie that is he is part of the creative process. Yeah. Um, well, like I said in the last the one, I, I can't see any other actor playing this part. I think it, he's got it down perfectly. He's got he's got the very tactical, like competent. He knows what he's doing during the action scenes. And then he's also got what you were saying, Britain, like he's got that weary, tired sad kind of demeanor about him that you know he it's very clear that everything he's not happy about anything um yeah and he's just like i'm i'll keep fighting but i'm I'm not gonna not gonna smile through it (laughs) yeah and i think he's the perfect age to pull this off because if he was you know five ten years older i think he would come across as too old to really like convincingly pull off these action scenes um i'll be curious to see as we get into like four and five and he continues to age as humans must do um (laughs) what what they're gonna like if they'll play into that um but then also the he's not fully like out of his prime enough that you can't believe he can do stuff but you can also see like oh i can see how there you know this dude has had at one point, there was a 15-year stretch where this guy could have been the best assassin in the world mm-hmm. for, like, since he was 35 or whatever. Like, you know, he, he has a lot of time in which he could have done all these amazing things that everyone is so, like, frightened by. Um, and I think he's a better... I think he has a better performance in this. I feel like he sure. uh, knows a little bit better what he wants to do with the character. I think the first one, I, I talked about um, the... I think the dialogue helps him for one. I think the first one with like some of the, the corniness and the B moviness was they were having a hard time coalescing. And this one I think is it, it steers into that just enough that it kind of, it yeah. kind of sits on that. Uh, it stays on that pedal the whole time. Uh, it, do, it, it doesn't come back and forth off of it. It feels like the entire thing is like this perfect, just a little bit silly, but also very serious and grim and, and fun. Um, 
and intense. Like it, it, this one, I think the tone overall is a lot more consistent. Uh, and I think it helps him to pull the character off better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like the fact that he was going to kill Grace Santorini uh, in that scene. Uh, and she obviously kills herself instead because she's like, I don't, I don't want to be shot. But like, there's never a pretense that she's going to try and talk him out of it or that yeah. he could be talked out of it. I like that he is, he is an assassin. He's not a good dude and we're not supposed to necessarily think he's a good dude, but he is also very aware of the impact of his actions and like, is not yeah. happy about doing some of these things. Um, he just can like turn that switch off when it comes time for him to do stuff. So I, I think that that is also a good choice. As opposed to like, I, I think I had remembered that conversation being he uh, was like, uh, wasn't sure what he wanted to do. And then she killed herself to make the decision for him. But I I'm, I like that. It's like, oh, we're all, yeah, we're all aware of what's about to happen here. He is still an assassin. He's going to do whatever he's supposed to do to kill people. Uh, This is just how the scene's going to end. So, No, totally. I, I did not know that Lawrence Fishburne was in this movie. So when he showed up, I just got the <laughs> biggest grin on my face. Now, granted, there were stretches of this movie where the fight scenes had me with a giant grin on my face. Where I was like, movies! <laughs> this is great. But uh, Fishburne's so cool, man. I like that guy a lot. He's yeah. just so great. And I like they didn't have any like really winky like Matrix references or something. Where, I don't know, he was like... Sure, I uh, can serve you. Uh, do you want to have your food on the red plate or the blue plate? You know, they didn't get, they're just like, you know, he's there. They're together again. We don't need to hammer it into the ground. Well, we you got didn't want him to, to say, save. welcome to the desert of the real. And, and Keanu Reeves to just go, what? <laughs> no, well, but yeah, I just, that <laughs> made me happy. Anyway, to see Lawrence Fishburne. But uh, uh, with that, obviously, uh, as uh, a bonus. If we um, didn't have a fourth Matrix movie, I know I would be begging for Carrie Ann Moss to show up and just like complete it. Just do it. <laughs> make make Hugo Weaving a member of the high table while you're at it. Just do it. Oh, man. Also, Red Skull. <laughs> also, just have it be Red Skull. Red Skull was a member of the high table. <laughs> All along. That's that's the next phase of whatever of the MCU. is. It's not Kang the Conqueror. It's John Wick. John Wick. Where, where where do you think Red Skull went to after uh after the the uh, stone got taken? He, he went to go join the high table. He was sent through the multiverse to yeah. the John Wick world, <laughs> <laughs> which is officially known as John Wick world. John Wick world. It's yeah. called the Wickering world. <laughs> well, there's that great uh you know they they you know they tampered with the footage in the No Way Home trailer. You know they did. Where the lizard just pretty sure gets... you you just straight up took my hand motions from a couple of weeks ago when we reacted to the trailer. <laughs> where the uh, where the which lizard definitely gets... made it into the podcast. Yes, the which definitely is, made it is getting shot in the chest three times and the head twice, but by nothing. <laughs> Blood spurting out. Yeah, we were like, where, where well, where's he getting shot from? It's John Wick. John Wick is in the is in the film. <laughs> Want Keanu Reeves to play Punisher Spider-Man. I don't even know what that looks like, but I want it. Hey, great. It looks, it looks like, like an Oscar. It looks like Keanu Reeves is what it looks, it looks like. like. Keanu Reeves. 
In a Spider-Man uh, suit with the Punisher logo. And yeah. guns. He has Lots wrist guns. guns. <laughs> like, Bi- like biologically generated with wrist guns. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Um, yeah, I did like when he and Common, their whole thing. Also, I like that so many times in this movie, someone will go, John, and then Cassian, and I'll just like say their name. Yeah. Also, I love that Common's uh, name is Cassian in this movie. That's awesome. But they're walking by in like a train station and Common is on like the upper level and John is on the lower level. And they're just like following each other. And just like every time they get a chance, they like take out a silence pistol, a silencer pistol and go pew, and just like try to shoot the other one. But it keeps hitting the pillars. And so they're both like hiding under their jackets like and bang. OK, it's so I feel good. like this movie knows when to kind of play fast and loose with the gun logic and when to actually be very realistic with yeah, it. Because yeah. like, like we said, like having him pay attention to the amount of rounds in the magazine. Yeah, that makes sense. Or like actually showing him do the reload and all that stuff and the different types of guns, like the whole scene with um, uh, uh, Peter Serafinowicz. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the where, they're, where they're. Yeah, where they're picking out guns. Like, that's that's a really, really fun scene. Um, yeah. But then it's like, yeah, silence pistols don't work like that in real life, but they do in movies, so that's what we're going to do. And how would you know, Alex? Look, I, I'm on a crocodile sub. Sometimes I get boarded by pirates. Okay. Having a firearm doesn't seem like a good idea in a submarine. It's silenced. It's fine. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> Therefore, I can't breach the hull. <laughs> um, I don't know how silenced pistols work, except they make it quiet in video games. Uh, they're they, you know, they're they, the they... only type of gun that can shoot in space because they don't make any noise. So. Oh, that's true. In space, nobody can hear you shoot. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, si- silencers can help decrease the sound of a gun but they don't do it that much it's still very Mm. loud if you shoot in space it push you backwards Mm -hmm. so there's a a part in this movie i you mentioned her briefly maybe my favorite character is the busking violin assassin Mm -hmm. (laughs) because they just show all these different assassins getting the the thing the the on their burner phone like john wick 47 dollars whatever bounty it's great Forty-seven dollars. So yeah. yeah, a bunch of coupons. You know, free PS Five if you kill. It, David kill John Wick's card. Yeah, a free es- extra scoop of ice cream at Baskin Robbins. <laughs> kill John Wick for a chance to win an Xbox. All that kind of stuff. <laughs> but there's this woman who's standing in a, ton- a, a tunnel, just busking with her violin, and then she's like, "Oh, my my assassin phone," and then she like pulls a gun out from the back of the violin. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good i the only downside is i wish he had killed her using of the violin and sure. in some way using the bow or i wish that the bow was made out of like knives or something mm-hmm. i don't know but it was great sumo assassin was also pretty good who took multiple shots to the head yeah that was great oh i like the movie knows how to have fun well also I feel like it could have been very annoying that that he did use a pencil to kill people. But I like how it's just like, no, it's just one of the action scenes. We're not going to call attention to it. We're not going to have a one-liner. He's not going to go, I remember when I did that. Or, you know, something stupid, you know? It's just like, no, he's got a pencil. We're going to show you what he can do with a pencil. Because we built that up. It's 
very brutal. It's, it's very brutal. That the Dark Knight doesn't show you. <laughs> basically, it's yes, quite basically. gruesome. Yeah, but quite good. I do want to talk about the burner phone thing because I think it's interesting and raises a larger question about this that ultimately enhances the universe to some extent, which is that it's a little hard to get a vibe for the exact time this is supposed to take place in. Like, I feel like you could almost make the argument that this feels like a pre 2010 Mm. type thing. Kind of like, um, Tokyo drift that, that is the whole thing where it's, it's very like of the time, but technically it's supposed to take place later. So it kind of just turns into its own thing, which fast and furious also has its own, world rules that all kind of work together and and set up a certain technological level and i think this is the same way it it, there's a bit of that where it's it it feels a little bit timeless there was one joke that i wanted to mention that really distracted me which was at the beginning he is talking to what's his face the car guy oh john leguizamo yes and uh he's like hey can you fix my car because it's super broken and he's like, yeah, I can fix your car by 2030. Uh, and that's the joke. It's like, oh, it's take a while. But like 2030 was not that far away from the movie when it was released. This is 13 years away. I think I know what they're doing. They're going to have they're going to have a sequel every couple of years. And the last <laughs> film in 2030 is going to be him getting the car back. I would be so happy if that is what they did. <laughs> if he genuinely <laughs> fixed it in 2030. Now, Tyler, that's taking a frown and turning it upside down. Um, Oh, please. Let's get let's bump that number up. Let's get to John Wick 10. Let's let's get that that Fast and Furious rule. We get to 10. We got four coming out next year. Yes. Then five would be 2023, I think, because I think they filmed them back to back. Maybe 2024. I don't know. We'd be pushing it. Let's do it. <laughs> Keanu um, ain't getting any younger. That's true. Uh, but yeah, I that in particular really bothered me. And I think it stood out because the movie does feel like it's trying to go for a bit of a timeless thing. Um, be, because the world's not quite the same as ours. They can. It feels like that's kind of what they were aiming for. Um, and I'm like, I, if I show this to my son when he's like 15... Maybe younger, but I'll I'll say I'm, I'll be responsible in <laughs> eight. Yeah, well, you know, at least two. Um, <laughs> uh, then then that'll be in like twenty thirty you know, three or whatever. It's like uh, it's gonna be a weird joke. It's gonna it's gonna be confusing. Although I guess at this point, then, at that point, then I can be like, oh, don't worry. When we get to John Wick nine, then it'll all it'll all make sense. It all comes full circle. Yeah. It's like uh, an Iron Man one when he asks for a, a hamburger or a cheeseburger and he gets Burger King and you're just you just <laughs> you're just nudging your son. Remember that's the burger. Se- Remember that's the a burger, setup. Kid. You gotta wait twenty movies, kid. And, and then when like, he says, "I am Iron Man," I'm like, "Ooh, ooh, ooh you gotta <laughs> ooh, watch out! It's coming back. Don't forget that." But then he'll mostly he'll be asking what a burger is because all the cows are dead. <laughs> Because John Wick killed them. Cows are all gone, <laughs> man. Um, the Great Wick. What was the Burger King? Did they do a Burger King joke in Endgame? 
it's it's literally just um happy telling tony's daughter is like oh your dad really like cheeseburgers i'm gonna make you or i'm gonna get you one it's uh, not specifically burger king it's, yeah yeah i bet the imdb trivia has a has a lengthy yes. uh, section about that i don't need to look up look it up to tell you you're correct this <laughs> is a reference to the real world franchise burger king <laughs> Ooh, well 16 out of 17 people found this interesting <laughs> who's the scrooge huh <laughs> me oh alex <laughs> he already anyways um tyler i did want to go back to kind of uh what you were saying about uh, the the weird is it timeless or is it not um because i really do like the aesthetic that the high table has um where it's like a bunch of like ladies with tattoos that are dressed like secretaries from yes. the 50s and they yeah. have typewriters and very very analog computers and that's and how they kind of set everything up and they got everything uh, kind of rotary in, in record books yeah yeah can't rotary trace, man can't tap them and, well i do like that where it's just like well they we need to make sure that they don't get hacked and they need you know physical records in case something were to happen like all of that makes sense I don't really know why they're dressed like 1950 secretaries, but it reminded me of there was this thing going around a few years ago where people would just make art of like different Disney princesses just like tatted up where it was just like Belle doing her thing, but she had like sleeves. It was crazy. Well, it's fine. Nothing wrong with it. But yeah, it did very much remind me of of like a a quick like not DeviantArt, but like like a Pinterest fad or something of just like. I don't know, 50s punk, or I don't know what it would be called. I don't know this stuff. 50s secretary punk. Yeah, Comucor, I don't know. Uh, no, I th- and I really like that we have no idea where that location is. I like yeah. that yeah. they keep calling it, and like it, it comes up multiple times, and it's just like, I don't know, somewhere. It's mysterious. It's, it's almost like, it's kind of like a, a David Lynch <laughs> feeling. <laughs> yeah, actually. Almost like, it's just like, where is this coming from? Where, what, oh. What? What? You're, we're just going along with this? Okay. Cool. I, I do feel like it. It's a little weird that the high table isn't mentioned in the first film, yeah. considering just how often it gets brought up in this movie. It feels yeah. like every other line somebody's mentioning the high table, and it's fine just due to the the nature of the story because this is based on, you know, Santino's like you know I have the marker yeah. by the rules of the high table you have to do this as opposed to John just getting revenge against a crime lord basically um so i think that that's okay i i was getting kind of weird vibes to like you know the star wars prequels call him darth sidious and he's never been called darth sidious before that's just something that we've kind of thrown on to to the emperor because it's Um, cooler it it sounds cooler i guess uh but i i'm fine with it overall that's just one little thing where it's just like I feel like you guys probably had an idea for that when you were making the first movie. Maybe you just didn't want to call attention to it. Yeah. I think it's, to me, it feels like only doling out the information that feels relevant to the movie so that then they can continue to be like, this will track when you go back and watch all of them. Even if some of it feels like, oh, this is new. Uh, To me, I I feel like it's it's a hard needle to thread. Is that a is that a phrase? I don't know. Yeah, they uh, fly now. They, they fly, fly now. now. Um, it's it's a hard balance, but I think they got it. Um, I do also want to mention while we're talking about stylistic choices, 
they really lean into the font this time. I complained yes. about that last time because every <laughs> now and then in the font and like the subtitles for the Russian characters last time, there would just be like a boogeyman and it would be in kind of a weird graphic design is my passion type. Hey, 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 <laughs> hey, 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 Baba Yaga. Baba Yaga. No, they they did it with Boogeyman too, though. They I don't care. Um, Baba Yaga. But this time the font is always in this like uh, intense action man uh it, it like the base default font is this silvery like it's like yes. the spider-man logos like for slanted. sony yeah. uh for the playstation and original spider-man trilogy i guess or um, like any straight to dvd action movie yeah and then sometimes <laughs> sometimes words are like bigger and in a different color like the pope <laughs> is that what point is it? an That's intense one. action man font which is very good so yeah. it, it again are you, here, are you here for the pope yeah again the movie's La a little <laughs> Puppy. Sorry. the the movie is a little more uh confident i think yeah. in in its tone and in it what in in what it wants you to feel as you're watching the movie so um well yeah it doesn't have any of those tonal issues that we had kind of talked a little bit on the negative side last week and of course we i think we we also kind of looked at the positive side of like i think that movie is intentionally kind of supposed yeah. to tonally yeah. evolve quite a bit yeah. whereas this one is just no it's a continuation of where we left off in the last one and the last one ended crazy so we're just more crazy um i think yeah in terms of that it's just like it's very very consistent which is nice i did have the realization watching this one this is what I think the Expendables movie should have been in terms of kind of general style and, and like the ability to bring on all of these different actors in very creative ways, um, but not overshadowing like the story and, and whoever your protagonist would be. Um, Cause those Expendables movies are just kind of like, Oh, mediocre action sequences. Isn't it fun? Cause Jason Statham and, and, and Stallone are standing together in a room um I, I i had that thought that 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 was all that came to me while watching this i never saw this <laughs> aside from he's stabbing him with a pencil <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> don't worry we'll get to him eventually right tyler no alex what did i give john wick did i give that an a minus uh yes does anybody have anything else before grades um, I like how his dog is is a, a running yes. through line, and I, I yep. like how we don't forget that he got a dog at the end of the last one, and the dog like immediately just follows his every command, and it's glorious. I uh, two things on that. Yeah, one, I did I do want the uh, Disney Plus series about Lance mm. Reddick hanging out with a adorable pit bull, please for six <laughs> episodes because Lance Reddick is great <laughs> in general yes. and in this, these movies. Um, has the character Charon or Charon or something from the, of course, mythology. He's great. Um, second, Alex, you bring up a lot movies that don't recognize consequences from previous movies. What gave you the impression that movies don't do that? Like what? What set the ta the 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 sort of format for you? Where I don't know. It feels like you bring it up all the time. Like finally, a movie that acknowledges previous movies' events, like. I feel like that happens a lot, but you watch more franchises than I do. So was there a is was there a like nexus event that made you go movies don't franchises don't uh, respond to that? 
Um, there's a few I could think of off the top of my head. I think uh, this might be an obvious choice, but Man of Steel into Batman versus Superman might be oh, an obvious yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In terms of how I don't think they actually want to deal with the repercussions of all of the destruction in the sure, first film. Okay. And then also Superman kills a guy and then nothing more is said about that ever. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe I'm just upset because none of the Halloween sequels after three acknowledged that three happened. (laughs) Maybe that's it. Oh, yeah, I, I don't, don't know. Uh, I, think, and I don't I, I don't mean that as like a, I'm not coming after you, but I was like, I've noticed that's something you bring well, up a lot. And I was like, oh, I wonder I wonder where that started, I guess. Well, we did start the, the podcast on Transformers. Uh, <laughs> where they changed okay. the mythology literally yeah, every movie. I think OK, that that's OK. Maybe the gotcha. beginning of that. And then we, there yeah. were some other franchises, early franchises somewhere in there that were kind of like, OK, this feels like you didn't like what you did last time. Every single time yeah. you make a new movie. Well, that, that's something I specifically look for with, with franchise films where it's, you know, whether or not you have the same creative talent working on it. I, I appreciate the continuity because that, that tells me that you cared about the world. Sure. Um, so, so having, you know, having a consistency there, some, some level of storytelling where it's like, no, 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 this may technically be a new story, but we didn't forget what came before. Right. Okay. That makes and sense. And I feel, I feel like it's so easy just with the Hollywood machine for people to just do that very callously. Just like, yeah. eh, we're doing our own thing. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, people didn't like the last one. We can just ignore it or reboot it or whatever. Yeah. So. Okay, cool. Gotcha. More dog. More dog. Um, all that being said, I think I'm going to go ahead and get ahead of a problem I think I ran into with the Craig James Bond movies, which was that I was never happy with the grades. I'm going to I'm going to kick John Wick out of the A minus slot stick M- much like John Wick stabbing a fellow assassin. I'm going to just plunge John Wick chapter two into the A minus spot and I will kick John Wick down to a B plus. So I think I've decided after watching this one, I think it helped me calibrate a little bit where I'm at. So I think this one's quite good. Uh, I think it's just a little bit long. Um, and I, it doesn't give me quite enough of the, the exposition lore stuff, which feels insane to say, but like, there's not quite enough of that in there yet for me to like, really, really love it. So, so just to confirm B plus for part one, a minus for part two. Correct. Okay. Uh, I'm also going to retcon because I, I, I hope that this just continues to escalate and also these will be easy to change later. Make John Wick an A minus and this a flat A. <laughs> okay. Which is to say, John Wick is still fantastic. But now that I'm like, oh, I like this. I do like this more than John Wick, but I don't want to do A plus for this quite yet. But if I change my mind next week and want to give it an A plus, I'll do that. Whatever, man. Come on. Do what your body wants. Uh, that's a good way of framing a film criticism. <laughs> uh, I am going, <laughs> I think I am going to give it an A minus for right now. Um, yeah, like like you guys both said, subject to change. I think I feel comfortable with keeping the first one at a B. Um, this one uh, is definitely an improvement, I I think, in almost every way. Um, there's just a few things, just kind of minor tweaks here and there, which I want to say for the most part the third film improves on, but obviously we'll get there. Um, yeah, we'll see. A-. minus. Nice. Good stuff. I give The Expendables Part 2 a D. <laughs> <laughs> I have pretty no sure Leonard Malton. I'm pretty sure Leonard Malton had a book of, fi- of film criticism called "Do What Your Body Wants." 
<laughs> and I urge everyone listening to this to look up a picture of Leonard Malton and just imagine that. I love that you said that. I declare that I have no recommendation. Uh, I would like to immediately state my case to the, to the jury that I have no recommendation. <laughs> Alex, Guilty. You... No. Do you have anything, Alex? Uh, I am... Uh, Continuing to speed my way through The Sopranos, um, I took a break from Get Back. I got through the first two parts, and it's just it's it's long, yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm I'm gonna take a break, come back to it with fresh eyes. Um, but where I I kind of stopped at with Sopranos, um, was kind of like I, I can't remember if it was like late season four, early season five. It was like two episodes before big things started happening. So I kind of wow. I'm kicking myself kind of because it's like I kind of held off on that for like a week or two. I took a took a break, and now I'm like oh like every episode like they're all great <laughs> so it's just cool to to, to be like oh i feel yeah. like it's kind of like in breaking bad like towards the end of that show when you know you get to like a certain turning point you're like oh now like dominoes are falling i don't know what's gonna happen now yeah um because stuff's happened that can't necessarily be turned around um and so that that's really cool to 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 get to that point and be like, oh, all of this this buildup, all all of this this time we spent with these characters, it's it's paying off in really neat ways. So, yeah. Is one of the get? I know the episodes are long for Get Back, but is one of them like an hour of Ringo just sitting like at a typewriter going, clownfish's guard? No, cuddle cuttlefish in the cuttlefish's guard? No. I, it does give him more time like where he's actually talking and interacting with everyone yeah. than you'd think but at the same time there's a lot of conversations where he's just sitting behind the drums not saying a word <laughs> peace and love peace and love peace and love i uh my my, uh, my recommendation this week uh, i because it's from a couple of weeks ago because i don't have a, a movie i watched this week but i finally went to a more contemporary movie that like a lot of people are crazy about so i finally watched it and that was children of men by alfonso Cuarón. uh i had not seen it before and uh it's quite good i think that had someone other than Cuarón, other than like a high quality filmmaker made it i think it would have just been a pretty solid like high concept sci-fi action movie that you might see in like a January or February release where it's not, it's not bad, but it's, you know, because there are definitely times when the, the filmmaking over, over out, outdoes the story. I, I 100% agree. Yeah. And the story is not bad. It's, it's well done, but the filmmaking is so good. Um, it's shot brilliantly. There's lots of long, long sequences that are, one take or, or or made to appear as one take and they're so impressive where every time the camera will rest you're like how did you know to stop on this like perfect image but there's so much happening i mean he he is so good at putting in like so much information in one image where you don't feel overloaded but there's just so, like i never finished roma but what i have seen of roma he would do this and just like a still image there would be so much information um, he's clearly a brilliant, brilliant director and yeah, Children of Men is just really, really solid. It's an, it's a very grim watch. 
Um, again, if the filmmaking weren't so high quality, I don't think I would have, it would have taken me longer to get through it, I think. Yeah. Um, but like the acting is solid. You've got Julianne Moore and Jotel Ejiofor, Charlie Hunnam, uh, and a couple of other actors, Peter Mullen, and then a really strong lead performance from Clive Owen, who I think is, is actually quite good in it. Um, and maybe some other people I'm forgetting. Oh, Michael, Michael Caine. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. Michael Caine. He's great. Well, he's only in it for like the first act, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he's a lot of fun. Oh yeah, and a but very yeah. different performance for him. Very, very. Um, but it's a movie that I I had been hearing about. I mean, since like two thousand six when it came out, and saw it was on Amazon Prime and said, you know what, let's do it. Let's let's pull the trigger. And I'm glad that I did. I, I don't know how frequently I'll watch it, but if you're like me and you like long takes or you just want to see like high high quality film like craftsmanship, I guess, but in a genre where that stuff doesn't get discussed very often. Um, Children of Men is the place to go because it is like auteur filmmaking in a sci-fi dystopia world, which is a cool, it's nice to see that kind of director believe in that kind of material. And then the studio go, yep, do it. <laughs> yeah. I I will say, I, I know everyone likes to talk about the one take. It's not actually one take, but the, right. the car, car chase sequence with the motorcycles yeah. and everything crazy i think the end there, there's like an end like just a war scene where yeah. our characters are just like running through and it's just a hellish nightmare it it looks like the most expensive movie that's ever been really made. and truly i don't yeah. know how they did it <laughs> no it is insane i don't know how they reset anything to do if, yeah if they took i don't know what happened but it is it is a stunning sequence yeah so yeah that that's my recommendation children of men good stuff yeah i uh I guess I will. I will recommend his other uh, sci-fi dystopia, uh, Harry Potter Three: The Goblin, or the, not the, Goblin, <laughs> the uh, Prisoner of Azkaban. <laughs> yep, where Buckbeak's like, I think we're safe from the corporation now. <laughs> Tell me that the Harry Potter world would not suck to live in as a as a muggle. You oh know? my! That would be awful. I mean, did, uh, Tyler, we watched the first two Fantastic Beasts movies. Did did did, did our human sure? care? Did our main human character in that look like he was having a good time? <laughs> no, but was our ma- were our main Muggle characters the best character in the movie? Yes, <laughs> kind of right. <laughs> as I as much as I recall, the first Fantastic Beasts movie. Oh <sighs> yeah, I just just. Put that third one on a shelf and don't send it our way. Yeah. We're we're fine. We're just unless, we're all fine here now. Unless unless you get Alfonso Cuarón to direct it. Hey, there you go. Then you can make a dreary sci-fi dystopia Harry Potter movie, and then we're we're back on board. <laughs> Newt's commander suddenly got like a a, a Mad Eye Moody eye patch. No explanation. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah I'm like. I want to make jokes about. I guess like Dumbledore is dead. Like that's just yeah. In 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 like the sixties, he's already dead. Yeah, Dan Fogler's a cyborg in this one. <laughs> but like, <laughs> I was gonna say this. This sounds like the bit in Deathly Hallows that everyone makes fun of, where where they're just like hiding out in the woods. And I'm like, yeah, but it's Alfonso Cuarón <laughs> directing people. If he hiding directed in the woods. Part Seven, Episode Two, then we're back on board. We're, we're back on board. Shape. Listen, I've watched two Kelly Reichardt movies. Hiding out in the woods can be very interesting mm-hmm. <laughs> filmmaking if done right. <laughs> Wait, what's the other one you watch? 
certain women. They don't hide out in the woods in that one. I'm just saying that, like, she makes movies where there's not a ton of, like, dynamic, go, action, action. And it's fascinating. Yeah. Because she knows how to make, like, daily life interesting because she's brilliant. But think of how interesting she can make a sci-fi dystopia. God. Uh, I think she did make a movie about eco-terrorists, <laughs> which is kind of that. Talking about uh, first count? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah in a sense <laughs> do we um do do we think oh it has some about harry potter cyborgs dumbledore is dead um <laughs> as oh everyone loves a crossover right that's what it's all mm-hmm. about it's all about franchising if you're going to open a streaming service you got to have franchising fantastic borg and where to find them that's right it's star mm-hmm. trek they're mm-hmm. in this one and Jean-Luc Picard and Six of Nine are heading to the 1920s. Oh, yeah. 23 Skidoo. Only what's this? Magic is in this one, too. And also Hitler? I thought you said Fantastic Four and where to find them. And now like, oh, we well, have right, a yeah, movie. Right. Yeah. All right. You know, I did hear that the first Fantastic Beasts movie was originally pitched as like it's a it's a, a mockumentary um, and it's just like, oh, we we did this this uh, we're following Newt Scamander, and it's yeah. like the inspiration for the 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 fake book that uh, Rowling wrote or whatever. Yeah, and I'm like, give me that movie. That would be a I I I would have a I would be more excited about that movie. That would have been delightful, but you can't yeah. franchise that. You can't you can't have Wizard Hitler warning about the Holocaust. Uh, it wasn't a hole until you dug a hole, Joe. <laughs> Anyway, uh, John Wick 3, Parabellum. What does that word mean? I'm excited to find out. Uh, I don't know if I remember. I don't know if the movie tells us. It probably it does. does but... It would actually be great if it didn't, <laughs> if they just started making up words. No, I think I think I really think they need to just continue expanding the title. Yeah. It needs to get longer over time. I, I think in terms of like cheesy title reveals, I think this is probably the best one that I can remember. I would like it if they started using words that have nothing to do with the movie, like John Wick, Chapter 4, Antiochus. <laughs> it's like, what? From the uh, Maccabees story? John Wick, Chapter 5, Part 2 of 3, Jump Rope. <laughs> what? He could mess some folks up with a jump rope. He could! He's just running by, like, some girls doing a little skip rope on, on you know, outside on the sidewalk, and some assassins are chasing him. <laughs> little girl, I need to borrow that. <laughs> and the little girl just, like, looks up at him and, like, and like holds out her hand, and he puts a coin in it. That'd be cool. Or she just pulls out a hand grenade. Oh, no, she's one of the assassins! Ugh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. My baby's all grown up and out to destroy people. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out why I've never heard of this movie by Kelly Reichardt. Where, uh, she the the one you were talking about with the oh night moves yeah I never heard of that I'm gonna have to watch it yeah no it's probably I think it was on, on Netflix for a while. like Criterion Plus or whatever yeah really yeah I want to see it Criterion Gold <laughs> Access <laughs> Criterion Max <laughs> Criterion 
Well, if well, well, while we're trying to find night moves, if you're trying to find us, Tyler, where can they do that? You can find us on HBO Max. Uh, <laughs> and in theaters for a month. I, have I ever told this story that I... Uh, let, me, let, me, let me get through this stuff, and then I will tell the story. Yeah. Um, you can find us online at herecomethesequels.blogspot.com. You can find us on Twitter at HCTsequels. You can email us at herecomethesequels at gmail.com. You can find us on uh, Spotify, SoundCloud, uh, Apple Music, or Apple Podcasts. Uh, we're, we're all over the place. Um, so I I once went to go see a magician in my home, hometown who started off his show. Uh, I should say that I was like probably like 15. And we did not realize that he was definitely more child age oriented <laughs> like more 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 of a kids magic show uh but he was like this is like an older middle-aged man yeah. and di- he didn't really like try to come across as like a i don't know not yeah not a lot anyway. of crowd work yeah well it wasn't yeah. really like a oh this is somebody who's clearly a child's musician he was just like a dude um yeah and he started off the show by saying he had just gotten a deal with with hbo we were like oh interesting what why are you here and then he was like yeah it was uh uh yeah i get it for 60 dollars a year for whatever and i was like okay that's a good joke and then he All was right. terrible um mr magician man i'm sorry uh if you're listening to this but also i assume i assume you were not able to continue being uh a children's magician during the pandemic so i hope you have found a lucrative other yeah. thing to do Tyler, um, <laughs> I'm gonna write this down on the great uh, on the grade sheet. What what is your your grade that you bestow upon his performance? Oh, was, I mean, I think it was just like it would just be like an F. Like it's just, oh. it was, it was rough. Um, uh, no well, offense you know, to that magician, but no, we all gotta start I will somewhere. never forget the joke because the joke was like, "Oh, that was kind of funny." And then just like every, <laughs> it was all tanked. downhill. Um, I was also not the target audience. Uh, sure, so I'll, I'll give it that, but. <laughs> I like to imagine while he's like, "All right, do you see the quarter? Where's the quarter?" And you're like, "Tell another joke." <laughs> you're funnier than you are good at magic. I I believe he spent there was an intermission and he spent a solid five minutes trying to get cards to fly. Like when you like there's mm, a thing where you can throw yeah, a yeah. card and like it'll like float and like spin. And he spent a solid five minutes trying to get it to like oh. do that. Uh, but he was also, very excited when it happened. So the magic hope, is the joke. I also I like that the, the kids' magician was like, "Hey, I got a, I got a bit about HBO." <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I don't, about this? I feel bad about raking this this poor random magician over the coals. I did not really mean no, to I mean, get into that, but I, I really do think about that joke all the time. <laughs> <laughs> this is this, this is, is a hidden piece of your backstory that <laughs> neither of us <laughs> ever knew. This this really this pulls everything together. Everything yeah, makes really. so much more sense you now. Know, I think you're right. Your sense of humor makes so much more <laughs> sense now. It really does. It really does. Magician, a Tyler story. Yes. Oh, uh, that was good. I like that. The formative time when you see a terrible comedian slash magician at fifteen. Well, you can looks like you can watch night moves on Roku or Canopy. Um, I really I thought you were going to say Canada. 
<laughs> you can go on to Canada. Canada. On Canada. It's also listed as a bonus feature on the 4K collection of Fast and Furious, the complete <laughs> saga. <laughs> uh, love it. <laughs> um, thanks, guys, for listening. Check this space next week. Kelly Reichardt John is... Wick. Kelly Reichardt is canonically Vin Diesel's favorite filmmaker. Uh, yes, decided. Um, got good taste. I've been Britain. The only reason she won't direct a Fast and Furious movie is because The Rock's not there. Oh no, drama! I've been Alex. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is when Vin Diesel's like, all right, fine, I gotta, <laughs> gotta gotta extend. Uh, I've been Tyler, and uh, you, I I don't even remember what the actual sign off phrase is anymore. You're you're having a good night. Yeah. Is that right? All right. Well, there you go. <laughs> you know, no, you know what, Tyler? You're having a good night. Thank you. <laughs>